0: Happy holidays, Utah skiers and riders, and what a holiday we have coming up with nearly full operation at most all of the Utah resorts. Hi, I'm Tom Kelly, your host for Last Chair from Ski Utah, telling the story of the greatest snow on earth. It will be a busy week at the resorts coming up over the holidays, so as locals, let's all be good Utah hosts and make our guests feel at home. We have a really fun program this week on uh, Last Chair from Ski Utah. Uh, This is an athlete who uh, moved to Utah a few years ago, and we're going to learn a little bit more about her story, a two-time Olympic medalist and an entrepreneur, a business owner, a skiing celebrity, and most importantly, she's also a skiing mom. Shannon Barkey scored a breakthrough silver medal at the 2002 olympics right here in deer valley resort she doubled that up with bronze at the 2010 olympics in vancouver behind teammate hannah carney who took gold A native of Tahoe, Shannon fell in love with the Wasatch and makes her home now in the Salt Lake Valley with husband Matt and their uh, little girl and their little boy. Never one to sit around, Shannon's team Empower Hour has energized corporate clients. She's also a key member of Deer Valley's Ski with a Champion program. And Shannon, welcome to Last Chair. Well, hi, TK. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, It's been an amazing season so far, hasn't it?
1: I cannot believe how good the conditions have been. We've got powder days. We've had bluebird days. We've had blizzard days. I've been in heaven.
0: That's good. You know, I've been out there a lot too and uh, looking forward to getting a a few runs with you sometime this season. But uh, we're in the holidays right now, and uh, that's a busy time in the ski season. (laughs) You've got a family. So, what are some of your holiday plans coming up this week?
1: Well, um, I am going to be skiing with Deer Valley guests for most of my time. Um, I love this time of year because I get to ski with my favorite families. Um, But I will be also out there with my family on um, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And we're going to be skiing, just doing all the fun things, probably sledding um, and hoping for a snowstorm so that we can build a ginormous uh, snowman. So have you been (laughs) out with the
0: kids already this year?
1: Yes. So- my little guy Tucker is a year and a half and for the first time we put him on skis and it was hilarious because it was in front of like the entire Deer Valley Ski Instructors and I was like, okay, this is a big pressure moment. You know, these guys know what they're doing. They know how to get people started. Am I doing the right thing? But Tucker stood up and he went about 15 feet and then I put him in the little ergo baby on the front and I have skied powder and groomers and hopefully the moguls will form up nice so we can ski together in those two.
0: So he's what, a year and a half now?
1: A year year and a half. And my little girl Zoe, who is six, is just crushing it. It's been fun to chase her down and and see her do things that last year she wouldn't even think of doing.
0: So is Tucker a little bit heavier this year in the carrier?
1: <laughs> he is a little bit heavier and his feet hang just so that the back of his ski boots hit me right in the knees, which isn't optimal, but um, but we're both smiling and having a really good time. So I, I'm loving every second.
0: Folks, I saw some video earlier and it really is fun to watch. <laughs>
1: People are like, what is that lady doing? And then they're like, oh, okay, she looks like she has the skill set to do that. We won't bother her anymore. Yeah, She's, a,
0: <laughs> she's okay, folks. I think we're fine. Uh, so, Shannon, let's go back to your childhood in Tahoe. And, you know, you, you had a great family. And I know that uh, your family got you out skiing early on. Tell us a little bit about your childhood growing up on snow in Tahoe.
1: It was the childhood that I think everybody dreams of. You know, I grew up in the mountains and the beautiful fresh air, and um, and you know I played lots of sports. I swam in Lake Tahoe. We played soccer. We ran track. We played softball. Um, we just played in the woods. But the best thing was in the winter. You know, we we got to go skiing, and I was really lucky. Homewood Ski Resort is about five minutes from my house, and it's one of the most beautiful ski resorts in all of the world. Whenever you're skiing down um, the the face of Homewood, it looks like you're skiing right into the lake. So that's where I got to learn with my mom and dad, and they instilled this love of skiing for me. And, um, and I guess the rest is history.
0: <laughs> how, how old were you when you were first on skis?
1: I was three. So I, I don't remember it, um, but that's what my mom and dad tell me that I was three. And I have so many pictures of you know being little with no goggles, and I don't even think gloves just out there with my hair flowing and, and just enjoying the the sunshine and the snow.
0: We're going to talk in a little bit about your Olympic pathway, but uh, as a three, four, five-year-old, I know you're just out there having fun. But knowing you for some years, I know you are competitive. <laughs> and at what point in your recreational skiing career did it did it start to become a little bit of a contest for you?
1: Well. So when I was twelve, um, Ray Devry, who was the coach of the Squaw Valley Freestyle team at the time, um, you know, knew my family and knew me and approached me about um, joining the Squaw Valley Freestyle team. Now it was not because. He thought I had the skills to do that. (laughs) Um, it was more because I was wild and crazy and could probably give it a, you know, a solid effort. So I joined that team. An effort to contain
0: you maybe a little bit. Exactly.
1: That was that was it. It was not because of skills. Um, and I and I joined that team and I was absolutely awful at mogul skiing. I mean, I got my butt kicked every which way. But I really loved and I thought that, okay, if these girls can do it, I can do it too. And I think that is really where my competitiveness ignited, was just getting beat every single day and being like, no way. Like they, they, We're all from the same place. We got the same skills. We have the same coaches. I can do what they can do too. So I think that's really where my competitive fire started.
0: Were there some things that your coaches told you or instilled in you that really inspired you to, to that? That, uh, next level in the sport.
1: You know, I think um, growing up with with Johnny Mosley as um, as a U.S. Ski team member and always coming back. It wasn't necessarily, I remember certain things that our coaches told us, but it was always, we watched World Cup videos, right? So we watch Edgar and we watch Donna, but having Johnny come back into our locker room with the US ski team outfit on and go skiing with us and you know, tell us that we could do the same thing that he could do. I think that's really um, where I believed that I could do it was Having him come back,
0: so Johnny is a few years older than you, right?
1: Yes, well, I'm only 25, I don't know how Johnny yeah, is, but right. you know,
0: I'm <laughs> probably 45 now, right? <laughs> that's right, 50, that's right, uh-huh. 60. <laughs> but, but so, so do you, you know, I, 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 I can't quite think of the timeline on this, but uh. His medal in uh, 1998. You were yes. in the competitive program there. I'm, I'm going to guess you were in your teens at that point. How impactful was that when Johnny Mosley came back from Nagano with a gold medal and brought that into the clubhouse?
1: Oh my gosh! Well, I'll never forget. We were we were on the NorAm tour, so we had a contingency of of Squaw Valley athletes, and um, we watched it in a ski lodge. I think we were up in Canada. And we watched him, you know, do his mute grab and hold it out. And we were like, just land it. And he landed and he came across the finish line. We knew that he had a gold medal. And I swear that just lifted our Squaw Valley team up. We were like, oh my gosh, somebody from our team is the best in the world. And not just the best in the world, but he did it in style. He did it the way that I think everybody wants to do it. Put an exclamation point on it and do it the way that you had envisioned it. And I just, that was such an empowering moment for me um, to, to set that stage and that tone for what I wanted to do for my ski career. I will never forget it. I couldn't sleep for like a week. I was too excited. <laughs>
0: so let's let's kind of walk things up now to the 2002 Olympics. And you had the distinction of winning an Olympic medal in 2002 and then winning another one 10 years later, which is really difficult to eight. do.
1: only eight.
0: Ta- eight years later. Okay, eight <laughs> years later. But that's difficult to do, two Olympics later. And each of them represented something quite different to you. The pathway was really quite different. And if I can characterize the 2002 one, it was, it, it maybe wasn't a surprise, but it was youthful exuberance. It was something really new. And it was that all of a sudden moment. And walk us through that pathway and how you got to the Olympics, and then we'll talk about the medal itself.
1: Yeah. You know, I think um, I always, when I when I watch Olympics now, it's so funny because you you know first time olympians right you look in there and everything's just so fresh and new and exciting and and i'm just like oh my gosh now is your moment because once you compete in the olympics you know the weight of what it means and and i and i love that freshness of having athletes compete their first time because they don't quite know what that moment means yet so for me being you know i just turned 21 um i i actually Almost missed making those Olympics. Um, And I hadn't really figured out yet that to be great. You not only needed physical strength, but you needed emotional and mental strength. Um, And I actually found that through a hypnotherapist uh, at Christmas time with only three World Cups to go. I wasn't qualified for those Olympics. So that really um, figuring out those mental and emotional strengths for me were huge. Um, But then going into 2002, it almost felt like a storybook ending, like it was supposed to be that way. And um, That was really magical to be able to stand in the gate, and I've never felt that before or since, but that moment was supposed to be great, and it was almost effortless.
0: How did you actually qualify to be in that starting gate, though?
1: So back in the day, we had an event called the Gold Cup, and so... For people that aren't familiar with our sport, um, how we qualified was you have to win a World Cup, you have to get two top threes, or three top fives. And really, in our sport, we have such incredible skiers that you either have to win or get a top three to be able to make our squad. But back in the day, we had this event called the Gold Cup, and it was winner take all. So the winner of that event got a spot in the Olympic Games, the first spot that they gave out. And a check for ten thousand dollars. Now I don't know what was cooler because the check for ten thousand dollars was, you know, nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine dollars more than I'd ever had in my bank account at the time. Um, but I, I got my spot um, at that gold cup on the on the Olympic course at Deer Valley. One of the most special moments of my entire life.
0: Coming into that event, you knew it was do or die, that that was your ticket. And if you didn't do that, you weren't going to the Olympics, right? Well, we
1: still had a couple more World Cups. So I still could have qualified if I won a World Cup, which I did. um, But that was the first, like, this was it. You, you know... If, if I wanted an undisputed spot that no coach could take away from us, we had to win that gold cup.
0: Now that run, the champion run at Deer Valley is regarded as one of the toughest moguls course in courses in the world. Had you spent much time on that course at Deer Valley before you went into the gold cup?
1: Yes, we were so thankful. Deer Valley was such an incredible partner for us. They saw um, the home field advantage and they allowed us to build almost an exact replica of what the Olympic course was going to be. So I was so thankful that we knew what was coming. You know, we had um, the flushes uh, in the moguls. So they got closer together right before the jump. So we were able to practice that before we went on the course. So we not only had training that year, we had training for the gold cup. Then we had an Olympic training, um, two week course in between, in between, uh, when we qualified for the Olympics and the Olympics. So we had a lot of time on that course to become familiar.
0: Let's go up to the Olympics themselves. Now you're in the starting gate. You've got your plan. You've been on the course. What's going through your mind as you head out on what was going to be your silver medal run?
1: You know, it was funny. The first run I felt like, my my legs were lead weights. (laughs) And I remember looking like after getting down and being like, oh my gosh, that was the scariest moment. And I remember going over to my mom and she was like, Wow, you looked you looked like a deer in headlights up there. I'm like, I know mom, imagine how I felt inside. Um, so it was one of those moments where you think, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for this. Like, there has to be somebody else that has to come in and, and, and stand in for me because I, I'm not this great Olympian. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But the second run, um, one of the things that I do is I look up at the sky. And that day in 2002, it was a bluebird day. And I always think how thankful I am to be able to compete all over the world, um, to look at the mountains, no matter whether, whether we're at the Wasatch or the Andes or the Alps or the Dolomites, how lucky I am to be in that moment. And the mountains are a piece of my soul. And then I looked out at the crowd. And usually, you know, at, a mo- at the bottom of a mogul course, there's 10 people. There's our coaches, our parents, and then two drunk people that have missed their way to the bar. <laughs> So to have 30,000 people down there and most of them in red white and blue I mean that was that was such an incredible moment and then I looked at the task at hand And, and I knew that I was meant to be there. I knew that I was going to, that I was going to ski the best run that I put down in competition. So they asked Olympian ready. I had this huge smile on my face. And when I pushed out of the gate, it just everything, everything came together. All the training, all the hard work, all the love from my family and trainers and coaches. It just, it came together and I was able to execute.
0: What were your tricks that day?
1: Oh my gosh. It sounds so silly now, but it was pretty progressive then. We didn't have, um, I think I was the first girl to do two 360s in a run. So I did a 360, um, or I did a a 360 cross up top, and then a 360 off the bottom. Whoo, big stuff now. Big stuff then.
0: (laughs) I want to talk in a minute about what Johnny Mosley threw because that was an interesting story too. But but you're in the finish line. You've you've had a great run. Who do you see in the crowd? Who do you find?
1: Oh my gosh, I I mean I knew where my family was and I knew my mom and my dad and my brother and you know all my aunts and uncles and friends and family that had come there to to be there with me and you know you see them and you can just see the look of like holy crap she just did that like my little daughter you know how to whoa And and I felt that way too but it was just this this moment of all that sacrifice everything that they had put into you know not being able to afford sending me around the world but doing it anyway mm-hmm. you know to be able to find them in the crowd and and just and hug them and and share that moment was really special.
0: I think for me and having been in the finish for a lot of olympic medals it was a really special moment because it it truly did as you said it represented family.
1: Yeah, it was you know, I've, I, I'm not anywhere without my family and they've been, they've been my everything, you know. And um, so to be able to share that moment with them and give them something back, you know, sometimes I think parents of, of athletes, they just give and give and give. And so, <laughs> sometimes the return on investment isn't very good.
0: <laughs> Pretty good return on investment there it at Deer Valley.
1: Not very monetary, but it was, you know, the love and the joy and the celebration. Yeah. That was That was what it was all about.
0: You know, uh, Johnny Mosley, uh, who had inspired you four years earlier with his gold medal from Nagano, he really pushed the sport. And I've always looked at that 2002 Olympics, and I've kind of looked at Johnny as having sacrificed a medal in order to push the sport to new heights, doing a trick that was not maybe in the rule book exactly, but it was a fan favorite. Can you tell us a little bit about the dinner roll?
1: Yeah. So the dinner roll. Oh, my gosh. I... So, you know, he, he, was, he was like, okay, well, we're going to revolutionize this sport. I'm going to do, you know, if you watch traditional um, diving or gymnastics, they do a backflip with a full 360 throughout, but their feet go right over their head. And we weren't allowed to do that yet. So he we said, well, fine, I'm going to take your rules and I'm going to bend them a little bit. And I'm going to do that same backflip with a full twist, but I'm not going to allow my feet to go over my head. So I'm going to kind of do it off axis. And then I'm going to throw a little style in there. Well, I remember that entire summer, Johnny didn't land one. And he would come back from training so discouraged and just, I mean, beat up and bruised. And I, you know, finally all of us were like, Johnny, are you like, really? I don't think this is going to happen. We're now, you know, a couple months out and you haven't even landed one yet. Um, and and I, it was just a miraculous thing to watch him finally start to land it. I think it was in Winter Park in in the fall. You know, he had this grand plan and he finally started to nail it. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I see your vision. I see what you're trying to do. I see where you're trying to take our sport. I didn't want to be a part of that because I not only didn't know how to do a backflip, let alone a backflip with a full twist. <laughs> But it was it was amazing to watch an idea go from just an idea to an execution to an almost medal in the Olympics, and I thought he should have deserved it. But if you just had gone a little bit faster, it would have happened.
0: If the the crowd had been judges, he would have. uh... Oh
1: my gosh, yes! If if anybody else had been in those seven seats, I think you would have had another medal.
0: And uh, folks, he ended up fourth. So he did just barely miss a medal. But what he did is he really did change the sport. And you were one of the beneficiaries of it because over the next few years, you became the dominant force in women's mogul skiing because you figured out how to do those inverted tricks once they were made legal.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, I I really thought to myself, okay, so I came from the same program Johnny did and he did this. Jumping is definitely not my forte. But I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try and do what he did. So I was actually the first female to throw the dinner roll in competition. Um, it was in Italy in the Dolomites. And I remember Liz saying, okay, you've practiced on the water ramps. You've practiced it here. Let's put it in a run, and I, I looked at her like she was completely crazy. Like, no, well, what, no, I no, I'm, I don't think I'm ready for that. And she's like, Yes, you are. Get up there and do it. And um, and I remember doing it, and and I just felt this satisfaction of wow, I turned something that I am not very good at into one of my strengths, and to be able to you know have Johnny do that as the first male, and then to do it as the first female is something I'm really proud of.
0: Well, and you should be. I mean, it was a revolutionary <laughs> period of the sport, and it was really fun to watch. You know, al- around that time, you also made a decision to move from Tahoe and make Salt Lake City your home.
1: Well, I actually moved here in '98. So right after I, um, right after I graduated from high school, I really wanted to find a place that um, that one I could make the U.S. Ski Team, um, one that had an incredible school. So I enrolled at the University of Utah, um, but the thing that I really loved about Utah was I made some friends um, from the Wasatch Freestyle team, and they would always come out to Tahoe to compete. And I just thought, oh my gosh, those guys are so much fun. And every time we get together, you know, we just we have a great time on skis. And so that is like my home away from home. So um, I moved out here. I joined the Wasatch Freestyle team, um, bought a pass at the Bird, and um, and just and fell in love with Utah. And I didn't think that I would, you know, be here forever. I thought that I'd move back to Tahoe, but here we are, I think, 22 years later.
0: Do you think back to those days of skiing at Snowbird and how much fun that was, a big alpine area, a young girl from Tahoe out here just ripping it up?
1: Oh, just wreaking havoc, having fun. You know, We had our little Rat Pack going and just jumping off cliffs, skiing the powder, hooting and hollering, riding the tram. I mean, those are some of the best memories that I have here.
0: Cool. Let's, let's fast forward now to the 2010 Olympics, so yeah. eight years after Salt Lake City. Uh, you're at a different point in your career right now, and yes. I'm going to guess that that was a tougher medal.
1: It, um, people always ask me what is the more meaningful medal. And it is, it is, as much as I loved winning here, um, in front of a home crowd, I think what I had to overcome to be able to stand on that podium and to be able to share a podium, um, with a teammate was really, really special. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had overcome two, Two uh, blown out knees, um, a broken jaw. Being the old lady on the team, I remember somebody wrote a uh, an article about me going into those Olympics. It was called "An Oldie But a goodie. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man, that hurts so bad." Um, and I and I blew it my first run in Vancouver too. Um, I got so stiff in the gate and and couldn't come overcome the mental blocks that I was building slowly but surely that day. So uh, to come out of sixth place after the first round. And and just throw caution to the wind and seize that opportunity that I was given, another opportunity um, that I had almost given up on, um, and to come away with a silver medal was was just one of the coolest memories that I that I have.
0: You know, for the listeners, one of the challenges with a judged sport is that when you do have a couple of runs and you don't do as well as others in that first run, that the judges maybe kind of tilt a little bit away from you. So it's no small feat to have come back from sixth after the first run to actually take that bronze medal.
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, especially that year, I have never seen so many incredible competitors that close. I mean, in another year, you know, in Salt Lake, I would have been like, oh, no problem to come back from sixth. But in Vancouver, I was just like, there is no way. The competition has just been absolutely incredible. So, you know, and everybody always asks me, well, how close were you? I'm like, oh my gosh, Hannah kicked my butt more than anybody could have ever kicked my butt by. I mean, she won that gold medal with authority. So to be uh, you know, on the podium with a with a true champion in um in Hannah Carney and also Jen Heil, who won a gold medal in two thousand six, um, I felt like I was in Really, really incredible company, and it was a big honor to be on the podium with them.
0: And Jen Heil, a Canadian skiing in her home country with the support of all of the fans there, uh, it was quite a
1: battle. It was, and you know, she was so if, if, if listeners don't know, I, up until the 2010 Olympics, no Canadian had ever won a gold medal on Canadian soil. So anytime the Canadians had in hosted the Olympics, Olympics, not
0: just mogul skiing.
1: Yeah, in, in any Olympic um sport, they had not won a gold medal. So, you know, Jen was in the running to to win a gold medal. And so I think I don't e I mean, they had so many people there that they were, you know, they thought that they were gonna witness um Jen Heil stand on the top of that podium and Hannah closed the door on her. So I felt kind of bad. <laughs> But I was really excited for Team USA, you know?
0: <laughs> well, you, you know, Shannon, that image of you and Hannah coming together in your your uh, star-covered uh, competition suits and giving a big hug, that doesn't happen very often. That's a very special moment, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's so funny because Hannah and I are so different. You know, I, I very much... Um, am really emotional and I kind of, you know, live up to moments where I feel like I'm lifted up by people and experiences and, and just momentum. So to me, I'm very much an emotional person. And Hannah is, she could not be more of, um, you know, she knows exactly how many 360s she does, how many, how many moguls are in that course. She is, she is so, um, Detail oriented. So it's so funny to see two, you know, people that are so different really have a special day and come together on it.
0: Yeah. Hannah Carney, a native of Norwich, Vermont, who also now lives here in Salt Lake, uh, going to school at Westminster College and uh, making this uh, Utah her home now. So you may see her on the slopes as well. Yep. Lessons learned. You had a great career as an athlete, and you achieved that success because of the skills that you built up together with your coaches. What lessons did you take away from competitive skiing that have helped you as an entrepreneur?
1: You know, I think the biggest one is hustle. Um, When I stood in the gate at every competition, I knew that I had done everything possible. To get myself ready for that competition, whether it was mentally, physically, emotionally, um, I was ready to be there. And, and I feel like sometimes in business people think, well, oh, okay, I'm just going to do this and things are going to happen. and And every single day I am doing everything that I possibly can to be successful. So I think when I when I put myself in in those places to have opportunities um, to 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 get somewhere in business, I know that I put in the hustle. So for me, that's something that lives on every day, head down, grinding it out, you know, making it happen.
0: You are the quintessential energizer bunny. <laughs> right?
1: Have you met my daughter? She is a quintessential energizer this bunny. This is dangerous, okay? <laughs> <It> is. <laughs> By the way, at what point did the pink hair come into play? Oh, my gosh. I know. I get this question a lot. It's been pink for so long. Um, I think it was sometime in, I've got to say, like 2005 maybe. Um, I just was bored of having blonde hair, and I always wanted to have a little reminder that I'm different. I'm special. I have everything that I need inside myself to be awesome, and I want to do it my way. Kind of a little nod to Johnny Mosley. If he wants yeah. to do it his way, I want to do it my way.
0: Yeah, it's become a part of your brand. Yep, yep. You wrote a book about it.
1: I did the best, most fun journey that I ever did. I wrote a book called "Mommy Why Is Your Hair Pink," and um, the two main characters are myself and my little girl Zoe. And it was one of the most fun things that I've ever that I've ever had the privilege of doing.
0: Did uh, so t- tell us a little bit more about how that actually came about. How the book How came about? How the book about. came about So, Zoe.
1: Um, you know, I just – I love kids' books and it's one of our favorite things that we do every night is we read to our kids. And now that Zoe's old enough, she reads to us and we read to her, you know. Um, so, I just – I wanted to create something for kids because I feel like – You know, kids, I don't think, know enough that we have everything inside of us to be great. People are always searching how to be great and how to do it and how to find this and how can can I get help? How can I do this? We have it all. And so I think the more that we can instill that in our children, that they don't have to look outside, that they have it all, that that was a really important lesson for me to be able to share. So... um, uh, one of my business advisors her name is Lorraine Wright and um and she approached me about doing a book and i said well i'm not ready for a book my story isn't even written she's like well what about a kids book and i was like oh, now's the opportunity to share so it was it was really incredible because she gave me the um Every aspect of the book is what I want it to be. And so I got to write all the words. I had an editor certainly help me um, and a writer. I found a an incredible um illustrator. So I got to, you know, she got to bring my story to life. So everything in that book is exactly how I want it to be, which is which means a lot. Cool. Shannon, you have
0: always been a great storyteller throughout your whole career. And I know that from the media's perspective, they always love to talk to you. You were able to then translate that into a very good public speaking career, which is now morphed into Team Empower Hour.
1: Yeah, I I love telling stories, and I feel like my story was so much fun that I wanted to be able to help people. So um, so yeah, I do a lot of keynote speaking, but you know, I wanted to do more than that. Um, I want to be able to help fellow Olympians. So, um, in in 2011, one of our one of our um, dear freestyle friends died by suicide, and. I was going through a really hard time in my life. I it, everything looked good on paper. I had just come away with two Olympic medals. I was set to get married, and you know we started a coffee company, and everything was supposed to be great. And I was just supposed to dance into the sunset of my next life. And a year later, I found that that wasn't so, and I felt really alone, and I felt. I just felt like I didn't know what to do. And here I was this great athlete that had worked so hard and that didn't define me anymore. And how did I define myself? How did I, how could I keep going forward? So, um, When Speedy died, um, it really, it really sparked in me that I wanted to be able to help Olympians. So I kind of cultivated in the back of my mind, I wanted to have a company that, you know, we could, that I could hire and pay Olympians. So many people are like, oh my gosh, you're an Olympian. Can you donate your time? Can you come back and give back to the community? And can you do this and this and this? And I said, We've been doing that our entire careers. We don't make any money, so I want to pay Olympians. Um, so I, so I decided to take my love of storytelling and a platform to to give to corporate people and to give to really anybody, um, to be able to, to, to bridge that gap and and be able to give back to Olympians. So we, um, we do a lot of leadership development, team building, keynote speaking, and workouts, all the things that we know to be true and are passing that on. So if you're going into
0: work with a corporate client, and I know that it runs the gamut, but what's the typical kind of high energy program that you might do with a corporate client?
1: So we bring a lot of movement in. My biggest thing is people have – People are sitting so much these days. So, for us, we get them up and moving because we know the value of movement, right? As Olympians, we know that to be true. We want to get people's endorphins going, their smiles big, you know, interacting with their team. So, we get them up doing balance stuff that we did in the Olympics, teaching them um, how to go through an agility ladder, different exercises that we used to do, followed by key takeaways. What did I learn by standing in the gate in the 2002 Olympics? What did I learn at my biggest failure? Your points. How did I overcome them? So we do a lot of um, key takeaways followed by movement. Um, wash, rinse, repeat. So it's really, really fun, and and I feel like everybody benefits from you know that interaction, our Olympic spirit that we have, and and sharing that with them.
0: Let's take it on snow now. And I know that uh, in the next couple of weeks during the holidays, you're going to be spending a lot of time on snow. When you're taking guests out at Deer Valley, and I know, again, it's it's going to depend on the guests, but where are some of the places you like to take them?
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I love to start people... Um, just on the groomers that are south-facing. So they kind of warm up a little bit. So one of my favorite runs to take them down is to the Jordan gondola because one, I mean, it has the most incredible view. And then if it's really cold out, you get to get in a nice warm gondola and get back to the top. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I always love to to take people to new places for lunch. Um, there's a lot of hidden gems I think on the um, on the mountain that a lot of people don't know about. So my favorite place I think to introduce people to is a Golden or Hirsch. If they love um, if they love fondue, oh, you have to go there. So I love people pay- t- taking people to a really good lunch. And then one of the things that I do love is to is to kind of push people a little bit outside their comfort zone. So, of course, that means taking them into the moguls. And people are like, no way am I going to do that. I'm, I'm like, yes, Mughals. you are. So I take them to Lost Boulder and I give them a couple tools and and tips and you know, you'd be surprised how many people really have never really understood how to ski moguls. And when you give them those couple nuggets, they're like, oh my gosh, this is actually fun. I like these. So now I've actually had clients that never wanted to do it, now that have mogul skis, like dedicated mogul skis, and, and ski moguls with me all the time.
0: So Shannon, are you the one responsible for those moguls on the bottom of Lost Boulder?
1: Yes, yes, I am. I, I, I wait until people come and I corral them in and then I make them ski them. <laughs>
0: So can you take me out there and eliminate my fear?
1: Yes, I can. We- I can. You just need, you know, you just need a couple things. You need to understand how to read, you know, what you're skiing and to be proactive instead of reactive and there's a couple different ways that you can do that. So yes, TK, come out with me. Okay. Follow me around in my crazy outfits and we got it.
0: Do I need mogul skis?
1: <laughs> well, to really, I think you know, get the most out of it, you need something super soft. So a lot of people come out there with race skis and I'm like, this isn't going to go well. It's just not, they're just not, they're just not made for this. So So you've got to
0: have that flexibility of the ski.
1: Yeah, and you know, a lot of people have um, the the shaped skis, and shaped skis are great for holding an edge, but mogul skiing, you want to set that quick edge and then get off it and be on to the next one. So I always encourage people, if they want to ski the moguls, to not come on race skis, but to get more of an all-mountain ski that's a little bit softer and easier for them to turn.
0: So what's your mogul ski that you like?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, I am on, so I ski for Rosignal right now, and I'm on the Experience 80. So I can't just ski on a dedicated mogul ski every day because we got to do groomers. We got to do powder. We got to do shoots. We got to do all those things. But that ski, the Experience 84, is is an incredible ski for any skier that wants to be able to do everything on the mountain.
0: Will my E88s work in the bumps? I will help you make them work. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, Shannon, if you're out skiing with the family, though, yeah. you know, you've got Matt and uh, uh, the, the two kids. Where, where do you guys tend
1: to go? Well, you have to take them to all of the fun places in Deer Valley. So you've got to take them to Bucky's Front Yard. You've got to go to Ruby's tail. Um, and if you go down um, you know, through the trees, there's so many fun things to do with kids. Um, but you have to make sure that you have to make a hot cocoa break. And I love the hot cocoa break up at the top in Cushing's cabin because it's just a beautiful place to go. You get a hot cocoa and a cookie and then everybody's nice, warm and snuggly, and then you can get back outside again.
0: Cushing's is my favorite getaway the in the mountain. I know. It's I was just so up there nice. yesterday. <laughs> Having a cup of tea.
1: <laughs> and Quincy's Cabin is another place that you've got to take kids because it's through the trees and then you come to this little cabin and there's a sleeping bear in there. So there's lots of really fun things to do with kids at Deer Valley.
0: What uh, uh, Are the kids into skiing powder yet? Like is, is Zoe skiing powder?
1: So I am, I'm so thankful because this is the first year – that she really loves it i mean before all she wanted to do is just go get um turkey chili and ride um and ride the the we call it the truck train from the parking lot you know oh, yeah. to deer valley so we'd ride that like eight times and she'd then she'd go she right? just wanted to do laps on that people are like are you actually gonna go ski we're like no we're just gonna we're just gonna ride this around the parking lot for a while um i can but- picture this <laughs> I know i know and people are like, aren't you the Olympian? And you're just riding the That's truck me. train around. Yeah. I'm like, hey, you know, when you're a mom, you gotta do those things. So uh this is the first year I think where she's really, really loving skiing. She did powder for the first time. She's excited to ski moguls because she wants to do them like mom. So I see some big things for this winter. So I am really, really excited.
0: Are you guys gonna be skiing on Christmas Day?
1: Oh, you betcha. We're gonna open presents. We're gonna get um, we're gonna get grandma and grandpa to come and sit in the lodge because they don't ski anymore. So uh, we're going to show them all the skills. They'll sit up there by the fire. My mom's going to have a glass of wine. My dad's going to have a beer and we're going to be skiing. So it's going to be perfect Christmas. It'll be
0: a great day. It'll be a great day. Shannon, you've been an amazing guest. We're going to close it out with a little lightning round, a few questions for you. None of them trick questions. There's no wrong answers at all. (laughs) And on the last question, I think you're going to probably the, well, I'm not going to spoil the surprise. Favorite cup of coffee. Oh, well that and that it, by the way, and this is from someone who started a coffee company, Silver Bean Coffee. So You what know I, what is it now?
1: Well, I I mean I love I this silver bean is still out there. I just want you to know. So you have to find it, but it is still my favorite. Silver bean coffee, um, a vanilla latte is my absolute favorite. Cool. Favorite hot chocolate. Oh my gosh. Well, when you go up to um Royal Street and you get the the um, the hot chocolate that's on a stick and then you put it in the hot milk and then you stir it Ooh. that that is my favorite hot cocoa you can't beat that
0: <laughs> we'll get one of those this winter favorite ski run in Utah
1: oh my gosh my favorite ski run my favorite ski run has to be shoot four
0: shoot four do you take do you take your clients out there no.
1: I no, we're not allowed to. to. We You're are not, not allowed, allowed to. to. <laughs> but so allow if it's on a really, a really good day, I say you guys go here I'm going down here. No, we can't do that either. I'm just kidding, but no, we we don't. Um, I can't take people up there. But that is my my favorite.
0: For the listeners, tell us a little bit about how you get to shoot for.
1: Well, I can't. I I can't give away my you can't secrets give it away. here, TK. Okay. You just gotta look up. It's off Empire, and um, it's one of the shoots off to your left. And it is you know, growing up in Squaw, I I love shoots. I love steeps. Anything that you know gets gets your heart going, gets the butterflies. Yeah. Um, and so shoot for is is definitely my favorite.
0: Favorite ski run outside of Utah, anywhere in the world.
1: (gasps) Oh my gosh. You could go home for this one. Favorite ski run. I know that has to be my favorite run by far and away, which I grew up on, which I love is West Face Face, um, on KT22 at Squaw. That is when I go home and I think about skiing and I think about just having a love and a passion for my sport. It It is West Face.
0: Ski hero growing up.
1: Oh my gosh. Well there's you know, there's so many, but I, I've gotta say the two people that inspired me the most were Johnny Mosley, um, and Donna Weinbreck. I mean, that girl is just She just has a soul that is magic and watching her ski and knowing her personally, she is as beautiful as a skier, as her personality, as her blonde hair. So those two are my favorites.
0: Do you remember watching Donna in 1992 winning the gold medal in Albertville, first mogul's gold medalist?
1: Oh my gosh. I remember watching her and we had it on VHS tape on loop-de-loop, you know, be kind, please rewind uh, on... Uh, in Squaw Valley in our freestyle locker room. We just watched that every single day.
0: Inspirational.
1: Inspirational. Yep.
0: Best on mountain lunch.
1: Best on well. You
0: just talked about one.
1: Well, one. Um, and then the other one, I I well, it's it's a tough choice between Royal Street and um and the Steins buffet. I mean, I gotta be honest. That's a that's a magical buffet. You gotta wear your big girl panties though when you go there. You gotta unbutton your pants and you can go for it.
0: Do you, like, do you like fireside dining?
1: <laughs> oh, that is my, it's one of my favorite dinner spots. I always tell people you have to do that.
0: That and a little sleigh ride with the kids?
1: It is, it, not only is it incredible food, but it is one of the best experiences that you can have with your family. Cool. Favorite movie? <gasps> favorite movie. Oh my gosh. Trolls, right? Because I feel like that's <laughs> that's my life in a nutshell. And because we're in the spirit, Elf. That is my favorite movie, you and and a little that. side note of that, I was in New York City when they were filming it, so I got to see Will Ferrell like running through downtown New York, and we're like, "What is, what is going on?" And then, you know, a couple of years later, it comes out, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, we saw that."
0: Most notable celebrity that you've skied with?
1: Oh my gosh. The most notable well, I've skied with a couple um, but I think my favorite person that I've ever skied with um was Sarah Blakely from Spanx um one because she is one of the kindest people I've ever met, but uh because she is one of my biggest inspirations in um in business, so it was just incredible to be in her presence and um and just be in complete awe cool. <laughs>
0: Where do you keep your two Olympic medals?
1: Where do I keep my... Well, sometimes I forget about them and I don't know where I put them. Sometimes I accidentally leave them in the glove box of my car. Um, Sometimes they're in my sock drawer. Sometimes they're under a a couch cushion. It's just depending on where Zoe and Tucker put them and it's a little scary because they always come up missing.
0: (laughs) And it's still special to hold them for you, isn't it?
1: It is is incredible. I always... um, and I, I really can't believe they're mine. So I, I bring them to all the places that I speak so that other people can hold them because what's an Olympic medal if it's not um, used for inspiration?
0: It should be shared.
1: Yep. It should be shared.
0: Favorite ski outfit?
1: Oh, okay. Well, so I have been lucky enough to ski for Rossignol, um for the last like 10 or 11 years. And I ski for a line called JCC. So he's this French designer, his name is Jean-Charles de Castelbajac. He is amazing. So I have an entire closet of incredible ski outfits, but my favorite one is this it's this white jacket and it has these red lips all over it. They're smiling lips. And every time I wear it, I get kids and adults alike that they're just like, that is the most ridiculous jacket I've ever seen, but <laughs> it makes me smile. And I'm like, I know. But it works for you. It is. It has made my job the best. So that is my favorite jacket that I get to wear out is just making people smile.
0: Last question. This is the one where you're going to break the mold. Uh-oh. Groomers, powder, glades, or moguls? Oh, Powder. You're taking powder over moguls.
1: Oh, heck yeah. I, I've loved moguls my whole life. Now I've got two, I've got I, two, you know, complete knee, knee um, reconstruction. Another one. I mean, powder is where at my ripe age of 25, TK, that That's I want right. to spend my 25. time.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to be the one guest this year that would go for moguls.
1: Well, if it, if it was going to be one guest, it would probably be me. No. How about, can I say this? Yes. Powder moguls. Oh, that's cool. I can't can even I do, do that? that. Can I do that? Can you do, do that? that? Okay. That's what I want. I want changing my answer. Lost Boulder, powder moguls are just the, they're 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 user friendly and so fun.
0: This has been a blast, Shannon. Thank you so much for joining us on Last Chair.
1: Thank you, TK. Thank you for everything you do for our sport and and just everybody. We love you and you're awesome. And thank you for everything.
0: I'm just like you. I'm just having fun. <laughs> hey, it's the holidays and we'll have a lot of guests from around the world here in Utah this week to enjoy the greatest snow on earth. So. Be patient, help to show them a good time here in our mountains. And from all of us at Ski Utah, have a wonderful holiday. I'm Tom Kelly, your host for Ski Utah's Last Chair. I'll see you on the slopes.